Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone. And today on the program, I sit down with a Ford Frick Award winner. This Hall of Famer has been calling San Francisco Giants games since 1997. He's known around the country for his long run on Sunday Night Baseball. Most importantly, he was in the booth when I made my debut in Baltimore. Welcome to the program, John Miller. Really? I didn't know that. See, Johnny. Go ahead. I did your first game? You did my first game. And I, my first question to you, I had on my on my uh, desk here is, I wonder if he remembers he did my first game because I just went yesterday and I listened to it, and it was uh, Baltimore and I forget it was August later, third week in August, nineteen ninety two, and I and I uh, it was Arthur Rhodes on the mound, and it was John Miller on the call. So did I also do your first? Base hit or hits? Well, first it, was home my, run. it was my first. Uh, I actually think you did my first home run, too. No, it was my first at bat, first game, and I got to hit my first at bat. Oh, all right. So, so anyway. And then I say, wait, watch for this kid. I guarantee he's going to have a long, brilliant career. Uh, of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> no, but it was that it was that back when the first I was the first third generation, so it was the big deal. So you remember you said, Oh, there's never been three generations in the game. And I remember I remember getting my hit, getting to first base. Randy Milligan's playing first base, looks at me and says, Kid, good luck. You got two on two thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine to go. I looked at Randy Milligan. I remember how I was thinking at that age, and I thought, Randy. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I'm going to get way more hits than that. <laughs> and then then reality hit me. <laughs> and uh, but but it, it was a fond memory. And yes, you were on. My first call. So wow. I, th- I thought wow. that was cool. Cool. I, I, wanna... I was at a I was at a dinner one night in spring training, maybe before the pandemic. So maybe four years ago. And Robin Young, Hank Aaron, Bob Uecker was at the. Bud Seelig's house in, in Arizona. And I get to talking with Robin Young, and I said, you know, in 1974, the first game I ever broadcast was in spring training with, with Oakland. And Oakland played the Milwaukee Brewers in Mesa, this old wooden ballpark called Rendezvous Park. And you played in that game. So, I don't know, he was 18 or 19 years old. And he started thinking about it. He says, you know, he says, I don't remember specifically that game, but I do remember that I came across and we had a shortstop named Tim Johnson. He was the regular shortstop, but because he was a veteran, he didn't want to travel across the valley. They played in Sun City and the other side of the valley at the time. So they sent Robin Yount, the the 18-year-old the rookie, over to Mesa to play the athletics and have the long bus ride. So he said, that was probably my first game. It was near the beginning of spring training, probably the first. So I said, well, whether it is or not, I'm going with that story from now on. So uh, so I did your first game, and I did Robin Yount's first exhibition game as my first game. And uh, I got a lot of grief from my family, my mom, my dad, my brother, whatever. They're all listening in back in the Bay Area. And uh, 
Robin Yao came up and I started talking about him a little bit, some background on him and said, uh, he's a very talented uh, young kid. And, you know, my, my parents called me after the game. They said, young kid, you're 22 years old. Who are you calling a young kid? So <laughs> I just, I was just trying to sound like a, like I'd been around for a while, I guess. But uh, anyway, so that was a, a pretty good double play combination. You and Robin Yao, that could have, that was pretty good. So, I love it. And I'm up. Uh- by the way, I'm a huge fan. Robin, I played against Robin for a few years, but we, he was he's he's one of those where I call him a crossover. I always get I get my dad's generation and my generation. It's like there's guys I played with and then there's guys that I crossed over from dad's generation. Robin was one of those, but what a good guy. We had him on we had him on the show about uh, a few months back, but super super good dude. Um John, I grew up in Philadelphia. And some of my my vivid, you know, I talk about this all the time, but obviously from my career, I have a lot of of great memories. Uh, most people that play in the big leagues for a long time do. But I, also growing up, uh, you know, with my dad in Philadelphia, him playing on those all those Phillies teams, a lot of my great memories are from my childhood when it, when it wasn't my job. To, to go play baseball, those those great Philly teams. When I think of baseball, when I shut my eyes, Harry Callis is in my is in my head for all those years of calling Phillies games. Uh, you're in that group now. That Harry, that that legendary those voices that when you when you close your eyes, you hear that a John Miller voice. That's baseball. That's my during my career. You 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 were you know every night every Sunday night baseball. There's Johnny Miller and, and Joe. And um, I don't know, what what does it mean to, has it gotten to that point in your life where you're like, yeah, I'm one of those guys. Obviously, you got Ford Frick, you're in the Hall of Fame, uh, Major League Baseball. Do you think of yourself like that? And secondly, when John Miller closes his eyes, who pops in, what voice pops in that, that, that rings baseball for you? Well, uh, I, I appreciate the, the comments and, and, and the thoughts. And it, it is something, of course, that I have no control over. And it literally is something that I don't think about. Because for me, it's always about that game and trying not to screw that game up to get it right. And you know, I'm, I'm still still looking for that, that one perfect game. But uh, for me, it's about enjoying the game that day. And having all the, you know, doing the work ahead of time so that I, I know all the people who were in that game, things I should know about them, what's going on in the, in the pennant races, in, the, in baseball in general. And, and that's also the fun of it because it's always new every day and it's always a challenge every day. Uh, and and I, I suppose it was that way as a player as well. You always had the pitcher you were facing that day and the work you wanted to do uh, getting ready for that game. So... Uh, there are there are times after all these years. Uh, you know, my first year was 1974 with Oakland. So what's that? Uh, let's see, 112 years ago was my first game. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> but World the, Series year. They won the World they, Series that year, they, and they won that World Series for the third year in a row. So it was kind of a it was pretty a pretty good break for a 22 year old guy to get that job at that time. That's for sure. But after all that time, you get home from a road trip, and then, of course, there's always a game. you got to head to the ballpark that night. 
Well, there are times where I don't feel like heading to the ballpark that night. <laughs> I've been home for a while, and I'd like to just have a day off. So, uh, But you have to go to the ballpark. You have to go to that game. So the thing that gets you going is on the way to the ballpark that night, uh, you start thinking about what do I need to know? Who do I need to see? Maybe I need to see Brandon Crawford about a play that he made and find out what was going on in that play. So I have a little background on it. Maybe I can get a story out of it, an anecdote for that night's broadcast. I need to speak to the manager. I need to speak to the manager of the other team. Maybe I need to go see Brett Boone and find out uh, how he likes this ballpark or how he does against this pitcher. Or I heard that maybe uh, he was having a little hamstring issue. And what's the latest on that? So you, you get all of these things going on your way to the ballpark, the things that you want to check in on and ask about before that game. So it gets you going. It's always fresh. It's always new. And that's the real fun of it. Baseball is every day, and it's always new. You don't know how it's going to turn out. Now, maybe on a given night, it's not a good game. And we broadcasters hate that when we actually have to earn our money. Because when you have a bad game or you have a bad team that's not in a pennant race, that's where you earn your money. And, uh, and I was just with Pat Hughes, who's going into the Hall of Fame this year, the, the longtime radio voice of the Cubs, an excellent ball player, and he, uh, uh, excellent broadcaster who's so popular in Chicago. And uh, Maria Jacinto with the Giants had this idea for the Sunday game at Oracle Park. She says, what if Pat Hughes came over and did an inning with you on our broadcast, and then maybe later you go over onto the Cubs broadcast and do an inning with him? And so I thought, oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. And, and Pat thought it was a good idea, so we did that. And uh, that was just so fun to go on with Pat, who grew up in the Bay Area. So we grew up Giants fans. He was in the South Bay down near San Jose. Uh, I was in the East Bay in, in Hayward. And so we have a lot of the similar memories about those broadcasters. You were asking, that was the second part of your question, um, because I think about Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons. They were the... Uh, the great voices of the Giants, they're both in the Hall of Fame. They had great voices, memorable voices. Russ Hodges was the guy who did, years before that, Bobby Thompson's home run, one of the most famous calls in, in sports history in this country, not just baseball, where the Giants came from 13 and a half games out in August, 44 games to go. They were 13 and a half out. And on the last day of the year, they tied the Dodgers for first place and then had a best of three playoff to see who was going to go in the World Series. And the Giants down in the bottom of the ninth inning. It looks like they were done. Four to one. They get a run. They get a rally going. And then Bobby Thompson hits a three-run homer, and they win it. And Russ Hodges goes nuts. You know, the Giants win the pennant. The Giants win. You know, so on and so forth. So uh, Russ captured one of the great moments in baseball history. And then he moved to San Francisco with the Giants. And then I grew up with him. So he taught me the game. He taught Pat Hughes the game. And Lon Simmons as well. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And because the Giants in the 60s, when I was a kid, were always in a pennant race with the Dodgers. 
And of course, they were the rivals. The Dodgers were on a very powerful station, KFI in Los Angeles in those days. And you could hear it at nighttime in San Francisco, like a local station. The Giants played mostly day games when they were home at Candlestick Park because, you know, people don't like to play night games at Candlestick. So we'd know how the Giants game turned out. It was a pennant race. It was September. And then we'd tune in the Dodgers game that night. And I remember in 1962, I was 10 years old. It was, it was one of my first real uh, enduring memories of baseball and being a baseball fan. And when the Giants would hit a home run, Russ Hodges would say, tell it, bye-bye, baby. And that was his call. And he always kind of joked about it and said, uh, it's, it's corny and whatnot. But uh, he came up with it in New York. And it was a Broadway play, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And that was a song in the play. And Russ, one day, the, the guy hit a home run. He said, well, as uh, Lorelai Lee uh, sang in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, bye-bye, baby. And the fans liked it. So, and he took that with him to San Francisco. He didn't just do it for Giants homers, though, at the time. He did it whenever there was a home run. And Giants fans told him, says, well, that's great. We love bye-bye, baby. But we don't want you to do it when the Dodgers hit a home run or the Reds or the Pirates or whatever. We only want you to do it when the Giants hit a home run. So he got so much feedback on that from the fans, he changed it to just for a Giants home run. Now, Lon Simmons worked with him, and they were hooked up when the Giants came to San Francisco in 58. And Lon had a big, booming, bassy voice. I don't know if you ever talked to Lon. I was intimidated to talk to Lon. You know, uh, hi, John, how you doing? You know, and I'm like, oh, good, good. I got to go. And so... Uh, uh, but Lon, he was like six foot five and, and this big booming voice. But the Giants had hit a home run and said, way back, way back, tell it goodbye. You know, and it was just, you get goosebumps for bye-bye, baby, or tell it goodbye as a Giants fan. So now when I'm 10 years old, I hear these Dodger games at night in the pennant race. And Vince Scully, uh, who I didn't like, of course, because he was a Dodger. He was a Dodger broadcaster. And he wasn't Russ and Lon, the guys I was growing up with. And there was a home run, and he says, oh, way back, and she's gone. You know, and I remember thinking, that's it? That's all you've got? No bye-bye, baby? Just she's gone? No wonder he's working in a jerkwater town like L.A. He'll never <laughs> get out of there, I guarantee you. Now, I was 10 years old, a little immature, and I, you know, didn't know anything. And that was the one thing I was right about. Uh, you know, 50 years later, there he was, still in L.A., so... Uh, the rest of it, as I, as I matured a little bit and started thinking, you know, I'd like to be in broadcasting myself. I'd like to broadcast baseball. And I started listening with a more mature ear to broadcasters, including Vinny. And then I realized, wow, that is so good. I, I remember driving. I was visiting my grandmother in Eugene, Oregon in the 60s, probably the late 60s. And then I was driving back to the Bay Area. It's a, you know, I don't know, eight, nine hour drive from Eugene. And the Dodger game was on. They played the Cubs. I'll never forget it because it's the first time I ever heard Vinny do a whole game as, you know, more of an adult. And I didn't really care about the game. Uh, I didn't care about either team so much. But he had such great stories. He started telling a story about Don Kessinger and how he was struggling in his career and was having a hard time staying. It was bouncing back and forth, majors and minors, couldn't hit. And somebody suggested he become a switch hitter. So he thought, well, I better do something or I'm not going to last in the big leagues. 
So he became a switch hitter and actually was pretty good at it. And he had said that that really saved his career. That's why he was still there all these years later and had become an all-star shortstop. And, and I thought, well, that's, that's so cool. Now I'm interested. I'm interested in Kessinger. I'm interested in this game. And, and Vinny has made me interested, and he painted such a, a great picture. And I always felt bad for, uh, for those who only knew Vinny as a TV announcer because I used to hear him as a radio announcer, and he was so good at it. The same thing with Harry Carey. You know, they're, they're opposite ends of the spectrum in their style, Vinny and Harry. But ultimately, I always feel like they took you the same way. They gave you the game, and they gave you a vivid picture. And Harry was the same thing. We all remember him late in his career. He had a stroke and coming back from the stroke and all of that kind of stuff. And people still loved him and still cherished him. But earlier in his career, he was primarily a radio guy. And he was a great radio guy. Gave you a great picture of the game. And uh, so I always was, you know, felt fortunate that I remember both of those guys in their heyday as radio guys at the height of their powers. And, uh, you know, the Giants played the last game at the old, old Bush Stadium, which had been called Sportsman's Park, which, you know, it was an old time park when Stan Musial broke in in the early 40s. And they changed it to Bush Stadium because Augie Bush, the, the brewery, uh, bought the team in the 50s. And they said to the commissioner, listen, uh, could we name the stadium Budweiser Stadium. You know, the, the Cubs, uh, Phil Wrigley owns the Cubs, and they call it Wrigley Field. And they said, well, uh, we w don't allow that. You can't just name it after a product. Uh, Wrigley, that's his name. So he named it after himself, you know, the Wrigley Field. He said, so uh, my name is Bush, so we could call it Bush Stadium. He says, oh, of course, if that's what you want, go ahead. Now, under his sleeve, he had the, uh, the knowledge that the commissioner did not have, that they had created a new beer that was about to be released that baseball season called Bush Bavarian Beer. So he said, okay, well, we're going to call it Bush Stadium. And, and that's what they did with their new Bush beer uh, coming up. But the final game in that ballpark was in the, the 60s. And the Giants were the team. And right in the middle of the, in the season, they played the last game. And I have a tape that some people at KMOX gave me of the ninth inning of that game. Harry Carey doing the radio, the final game in that historic ballpark, where he'd been doing games for 26, 27 years. And Willie Mays came up. And there's Harry Carey, the great broadcaster. And Willie Mays, the great superstar, one of the greatest of all time. And he starts talking about Willie Mays in that ballpark and how of all the players, the great players who played there over the years, the, the visiting player who had the most success and did the most damage to the Cardinals was Willie Mays. And he starts recounting some of those incredible moments that Mays had there. Meanwhile, while Harry's doing this, Mays kept fouling pitches away. And it was a long at bat. And we broadcasters appreciate that when we can tell some stories and the guy has a long at bat to let us tell the whole thing. And then all of a sudden the pitch came in and Willie hit a home run and Harry did it like it was a Cardinal, you know, it could be, it might be, it is Willie May, you know, and, and it was just so cool. And that's why I asked if they could send me the, a copy of that. So uh, that was the last game in that ballpark. And for me, that was Harry Carey at the height of his powers. 
And he brought you the game, and he made you a fan. Vin Scully made you a fan. Russ Hodges, Lon Simmons. And they were also telling us about the ex exploits here in the Bay Area of Willie Mays. You couldn't help but be a fan with Willie Mays there. He was, he was like a superhero, and, uh, uh, and especially when you're a kid, because uh, you think he is a superhero. He's, he's larger than life, and he can do things that mere mortals can't do. So... Uh, Anyway, so that's, for me, that uh, I was the time and the place and those broadcasters that made me a fan, and, and I'm very grateful to, to all of them. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.